folks. Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am very excited to come back to you on this Monday night as we get to talk about Summer League. We get to talk about the Nuggets. We're going to do a little bit of stock watch on all of these prospects and different players that are uh, just I think standing out in various ways and should be pretty good. I'm looking forward to it for sure. I uh, hope everybody's having a great day. Thank you so much for hopping in. I really do appreciate it. I know that this is going to be a pretty regular time slot for me going forward. We've got the Let's Talk Broncos crew going from six to seven ish. I think it might not be a bad idea for me to go from like eight to nine, somewhere in that vicinity. I like going later anyway. So, Thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast as always. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you can. Um, And especially if you're watching on YouTube here, make sure to give this a like and subscribe to the channel. That will obviously help us out a ton on that end. Uh, Well, thank you so much for tuning in for those of you that are here. uh, Let's react a little bit to Summer League. Let's react a little bit to the Nuggets. Uh, First and foremost, I, I didn't. I tweeted a little bit about the game last night. Nothing crazy. Uh, had had a couple things pop up uh, from a family perspective. Uh, my my dad actually is in the hospital. Shout out to dad if you're watching. Uh, but he's, uh, he's had, had a couple things go pop up. So first time I've ever had that happen to me or like really anybody to my direct family before. So uh, send good wishes. I think we, we may have a surgical procedure tomorrow of sorts. So send good wishes if you can. Um, well, yeah, let's let's talk about Summer League. Let's talk about the Denver Nuggets. And I think the most important thing we can do is really talk about they're, they're 0-2. I think that the general feel for this Nuggets Summer League team, it's a little bit disappointing in terms of what the expectations were versus what we've actually seen, what they've actually been able to put together. Uh, not really. It, it's not a surprise. You never know what's actually going to come about from these things. I think Nuggets fans... We're hoping for a little bit more oomph. We're hoping for a little bit more um, shot making in general. I think guys like Julian Strother, he ha- he hasn't really hit a ton of shots. Uh, Colin Gillespie hit some shots in this last game. Jalen Pickett's hit some hit some shots in both games, and that's exciting to see for sure. But uh, overall, uh, not as much defense as as you would hope for from this Nuggets summer league team. And I think the athleticism is a little bit lacking. And, that really pops out on screen. The athleticism, the height, the physical tools. I really think only Peyton Peyton Watson is a guy that is a, a plus athlete uh, in this group outside of like Cassius Stanley. And, and then Ismail Kamigate has some good physical tools as well where you continue to develop that. Maybe there's something to be said there. But by and large, I think that this group has mostly been uh, disappointing from a physical standpoint. And that that's not really a surprise, but you never know. Like what you're going to see until you actually see it. Um, some impressive moments to highlight from this last game. Uh, Atlanta, they made some good plays. They made some fun plays. Kobe Bufkin was was pretty fun. Not necessarily the most effective throughout, but uh, I do think that Peyton Watson's athleticism is something that stands out to me. The dunk that he had in transition at the beginning of this game stands out. He actually had a couple of other plays driving to the rim to his left uh, that I think stand out in a pretty big way. And I think uh, that's going to be something that he can do at the NBA level. It's not going to be a consistent thing all the time. 
But in terms of taking advantage of the NBA level and, and what you can expect to see from a guy like Peyton Watson, that stands out to me as the, the drives to his left, physical, athletic, uh, made some nice technical plays. Also hit a couple pull-up jumpers. That's not necessarily something that I expected to see from him, but between these last two games, uh, definitely some good stuff. And, and and he should feel good overall about these first two games, I, I'd say. Um, I think that Jalen Pickett's shot looks really good. I think that that's not something that I was fully expecting. Jalen Pickett, I thought that the the overall athleticism would limit him a little bit more from the offensive standpoint. I didn't expect it to be perfect, but I think he's done pretty well. I think he stood out in some good positive ways and it's not all like it's not easy stuff from him. Like he's had to work for a lot of his buckets, but he also takes advantage of the space that he can create. And some of the actual step backs that he's had have been really good. Some of the actual moments that he's had He's had some defensive plays that I think stand out. He's had some nice passes, setting up some teammates, whether they hit the shot or not. Uh, but he he looks pretty good from that standpoint. And then Colin Gillespie, I think, got in on the action a little bit yesterday. Or, yeah, yesterday. Recording this on Monday night, obviously. Game happened on Sunday. Um, Colin Gillespie stood out in a lot of impressive ways uh, on the offensive end, uh, just from a shot-making standpoint. He was very shot-ready. He was impressive on that front. Hadn't made, hadn't, like, he just didn't make shots in the first game. The way that he pulled up from three, I think, is, is one of those things as a guard, especially a guard that doesn't have a ton of athleticism or size with him. Like, he's got to be able to hit the pull up three. So, this is kind of a prerequisite thing in terms of can he handle certain stuff, but it was good to see that he could do that. And I think that's one of those things that stands out to me for sure. And then, unfortunate plays that we should also probably highlight. Uh, Peyton Watson had two rebounds total. He had zero steals, zero blocks in this last game. And I think outside of the actual scoring, which he he did some good scoring in this last game. It it was good. Uh, But outside of the scoring, he was pretty disappointing. And that's not something you were hoping for, of course. It's not something anybody was hoping for, but... I thought from an actual production standpoint, from a an impact standpoint where he's helping out, where he's making plays, he's in the right place, he just didn't really do as much of that as he had done in the first game. And maybe that was going up against A.J. Griffin as opposed to going up against Marshawn Beauchamp. Like the, all of those guys in the same draft class drafted on the wing. And it was very interesting to see where those three were at. I think that all three have really interesting tools. A.J. Griffin looked pretty good. Uh, he looked very comfortable. I think that Marjan Beauchamp from the first game uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks, he looked a little bit erratic, but definitely somebody who, once he gets rolling, can, can be helpful. I think that Peyton, the vision with him is that he's this consistent defender who can always make these these flash plays. But he didn't make a lot of those. He actually didn't make any flash plays outside of the dunk in this last game. and so. That's something that if the flash plays aren't there, you have to be able to fall back on some substance. And he grabbed two rebounds as the power forward. That's just not good enough. Denver's been outsized in each of these last couple of games, and they've got to find ways to be a little bit more physical. And I know that like Colin Gillespie's taking some flack for that. Kamigate's taking some flack for that. Everybody deserves a little bit of flack, especially if you're the power forward and you grab two rebounds. That's just my opinion. 
Um, I think that Strother not hitting any shots. It's not really as, I mean, you either hit shots or you don't. He looked like the shot looks good. It looks comfortable. It's hard to really tell whether he's actually going to be able to hit those in the most important moments, but that's something that I'm at least watching going forward. And then Ismail Kamigate is the other guy that, from kind of an unfortunate standpoint, and I guess Colin Gillespie, we could talk about him a bit. Ismail, he looks under, like just undersized out there, and he's not actual. And that's kind of an issue. That's one of those things that you stand that stands out when you're watching him. Of like, okay, so you're this six foot ten, six foot eleven center. You've got these plus physical tools. You have all of the capability to be able to dominate on the glass or dominate in these helpful departments, and you're not really doing any of it. So what's what's going on? What gives? And like Denver's been killed on the glass in each of these last two games, and I think the center has to take the most responsibility for that. Uh, power forward, probably the second most. And I think that Kamigate looks a little bit like he, he looks a little bit underwhelming from a physicality standpoint. And that's not super great for somebody that, okay, this is their second year now coming back to summer league. Now, what I will say, and in his defense, not as much individual development is going on at the uh, European levels. Like they are mostly all about team. They're mostly all about what's not going to get the coach fired and what helps get the coach uh, promoted and not fired is uh, playing the veterans and, and doing everything you can for wins in the short term. So I'm not really surprised that Kamigate looks a little bit slow on the draw, but I do think he's going to need another year. He's going to go back and he's going to play EuroLeague. We will see if that can help toughen him up physical, like be a little bit more physical in general. Uh, I don't know if that's what's going to happen, but if he can handle the EuroLeague a little bit better, then I think that will make him a little bit more ready for the NBA level. And then Colin Gillespie just looks very underwhelming physically as well. Uh, always have to remind yourself that he's coming off of a broken leg. He's coming off of a situation where he could not get better physically. He was just recovering. Uh, it's not about getting even stronger. It's not about getting even better. I think that it will be a process. and. He looked even better like in this last game than he did in the first game. So I think by the end of Summer League, I might have some different takes in general. But in terms of stuff that's actually going to translate, I'm a little bit worried about him from a uh, getting separation, maintaining an advantage, also closing space defensively kind of situation. I, I don't know if he's going to be able to stay in front of people on the defensive end. And that kind of is scary when you're a point guard because... If you can't stay in front of the point guards, that means you're going to have to guard twos, and the twos are bigger than you, and that's just going to have to be something that he struggles with. So we'll see if he can continue to get better with it over time, but that's something that I want to watch. Most important takeaway for me, though, is Hunter Tyson. Um, I don't know what I was expecting from Hunter. I don't know whether like, the actual defense was going to be – like I, I thought that that would be a pretty big weakness, and there are some aspects of it that are. Uh, but I do think that Hunter has looked really good on both ends of the floor just from a knowing what to do kind of standpoint. He's not slow on the draw that much other than closeouts, which I've noticed that a couple times. He kind of sags into the paint a little bit and he'll he'll close out a little bit short 
that's pretty common for a lot of people, especially new players reaching the NBA level. But I do think that he has more skills than I thought that he did. I think that he's not just this spot-up shooter. He's not just a a standstill kind of guy who spaces the floor for other people and can't really do that much else. Uh, He can do some other things, and, and he takes on those defensive assignments with a little bit more uh, aggressiveness and a little bit more consistency and desire and, and like what's the word I'm looking for uh, confidence than than I expected him to. I I thought that he would be somebody who tries to avoid getting ISO'd and hunted out. And to me, he's stepped up to that challenge a couple times, and that that was really really exciting. I think if you're a Nuggets fan, he's the guy obviously that you're looking to as the the biggest pleasant surprise. So. When we do stock watch in the next segment, he's going to probably be the, the main guy with the stock up. So we'll have to talk about that for sure. But I'm, I'm impressed with Hunter. I think that he's a player. I think that that's something that I didn't expect. I didn't know uh, whether whether he would actually be that because he was just so, so far off of so many draft boards that not really expecting him to be that level of guy. But uh, showed out at the combine. Looks like he's improved. Very competitive player. And sometimes you just need the right mentality and the right skill set to get better when you're entering the league. So who knows? Maybe it becomes something of a stalwart for for this Denver Nuggets rotation down the line. We don't know yet. Uh, It's only been two games of Summer League, so we will just have to see. But I do think that Hunter Tyson at least is exciting for Nuggets fans to say, hey, he might be a guy. He might be a guy. We thought that it would be Jalen Pickett. We thought it would be Julian Strava. Turns out. Maybe it's Hunter Tyson. Maybe he's the guy that everybody should be excited about. So we'll see. Uh, Still got plenty of time. But for now, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to do Stockwatch with the entire uh, rostered group. But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook. We are changing the game. Help your bets stay hot this summer with Superbook Sports, the most trusted name in sports gambling with a direct line to Las Vegas. And now, when you use promo code MILEHIGH, you can earn up to 250 bucks when you hit on your bet. They will match all that, uh, win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet up to 250 bucks, courtesy of Superbook. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions, and then make sure to download the Superbook Sports app. Enter that promo code, and you can get 250 bucks courtesy of this company, Superbook Sports. Why did I say that? Um, Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. As always, can it be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the show? Uh, that would really, really help. Uh, got a couple comments here about Christian Brown. Uh, CB didn't make shots last year in SL, but he was fine. It's all about the process for Julian. I do agree with that. I think that that's something that I'm going to talk about in the Stockwatch segment portion. Uh, and then Josh Freeze, he says, CB was still good on D in Summer League, though. No one on the Nuggets has impressed me on the defensive end this year. Hopefully, it's just the scheming and communication issues and not the players. That's always the question, right? That's always the question of what 
these guys are like whether it's a problem that they're not excelling on the defensive end or if it is a like it's just part of the issue with summer league that's uh that's part of the process where you you don't know what the communication issues are looking like you don't know hey are you like a little bit slow on the draw when it comes to the rotations because you're slow on picking up the playbook is that just because it's summer league and you've had a week to really absorb the thing or is it because of something else and then because you're just kind of slow on reading the game and so that's always the the balance that i think uh this nugget team has to big to figure out but what i will say is that given that this is a an older group with this nuggets team i expected them to be better i expected them to win some games i expected them to handle their business a little bit better to make better defensive reads to stand out a little bit more as a connected group because if you're an older group that has a lot more playing experience then technically you should like not technically but I think it's a good expectation that you would be better. So I don't want to sit here and be like, oh man, it's a horrible thing that the Nuggets are bad at Summer League. They're not bad. Like they've lost by a few points here, a few points there. Uh, But we'll see what happens for the rest of the games, whether it's a consistent thing or if it's uh, just an aberration. And maybe they go three and two. Maybe maybe we'll we'll just have to see. But for now, let's do Stockwatch. Let's talk about each of these individual roster guys. Uh, I wanted to just share some general points on these players and maybe get into some of the nitty gritty details. But again, I don't want to overreact on this and doing a stock watch kind of podcast. One of the reasons why I'm doing this is because my next pod will be after the game on Wednesday. And uh, I, I would rather kind of do this now in kind of the gap as opposed to waiting for that third game, because that might actually change the opinions even more. So uh, let's do it now. Let's let's just take some stock of these guys. And I think starting with Peyton Watson, I think it's easy to go pretty even on Peyton Watson's stock. He hasn't showed me anything that I didn't expect to see. Uh, and I think if you're a Nuggets fan, part of you is thinking, okay, 186 minutes during the regular season last year, but he looks so good at the end of it. It's pretty unfair, I think, to expect him to look like one of the best players at Summer League. But I do think that it's also an expectation to say, yeah, you're going to have to have moments where you really flash. You're going to have to have moments where you can see the vision of what Peyton Watson is going to be. And I think if you look at some of the numbers that he's put up, uh, relatively efficient offense, something that you wanted to see from him from a scoring perspective, Hasn't really hit the outside shots. That's something like he went one of three in the first game. I think he went like 0 of two in the second game. Um, Not as much of an outside shooter. And he's going to have to find some opportunities to space the floor. He can't be a 25% three-point shooter again. He's got to be something a little bit more sustainable than that if he wants to stick in the rotation. Especially at small forward. It's a little bit different if he's a four. Because like if, if you're the three, like you, you've got to be able to handle a little bit. You've got to be able to shoot. With the four, I think you could pencil him in as like a, a garbage kind of guy. Like not, not garbage, but like where he cleans up a lot of the messes on both ends of the floor as opposed to being somebody that's consistently counted upon for their offense. Uh, but I do think that the vision with Peyton is that he's going to be one of your prototypical starting small forward types where, all right, you're six foot eight. You are 215 pounds at your ceiling. Like that's that's kind of where you're going to be physically. 
what kind of player are you going to be? You're going to switch one through five. You're going to guard every position. You're going to handle a little bit. You're going to shoot a little bit. You're going to rebound. You're going to do a little bit on the, the – actually, you're going to do a lot on the defensive end. Uh, but that's the vision. That's what you want to see. And I think he's shown a little bit of that. He hasn't shown everything. Like, I do think that the playmaking is still a little bit slow. But I, I also think that the defense is still a little bit inconsistent from that. Uh, not necessarily the most important aspect of this, but I do think that in general, like Watson's been fine. He's not been perfect. And the first game was really good, and I, I didn't really need to see that much that much more. It was a little bit jarring in the second game to see him not really do any of the detail stuff, like grabbing rebounds, passing, generating steals and blocks. Uh, getting to the foul line. Just didn't really do any of that. So interesting to see whether he can progress from there. Next up. Um, what's up, guys? Thank you so much for hopping in. Uh, Colin Gillespie. Stock down. I think it's I think it's kind of having to be stocked down. Now this could change. And this is the thing about like making sweeping judgments of guys through two games of summer league. I don't want to be that guy that's like, oh man, now you have to, you really got to rag on the guy and you're overreacting. And I'm not going to do that. I don't think it's fair, especially to Colin. Um, but the things that I see from him from a physical standpoint are the things that I think are going to follow him for the rest of his career. And that's just not something that he's going to be able to change that much. Now, distancing himself from the injury that he sustained distancing himself and, and giving him time to build his body up physically, getting into the weight room. The version of himself that's going to be 25 years old is a little bit different from the guy that he is now. And that's pretty fair, I would say. But I do think that um, Colin's going to be like, hmm. The shooting was good. The shooting was good to see from him. Him being a little bit more aggressive as an outside shooter was great to see. You want to see him be able to pull up from three. You want to see him create his own shots. He didn't really create that much for everybody else. And that is a little bit concerning. When he got into the lane, he was very tentative. And some of the plays that he made, the kickouts that he made, there was one that he made in the first game, I'm pretty sure, that was pretty that was pretty nice kicking out to Jalen Pickett in the corner. But haven't really seen him connect with the big man. Maybe that's more of a Ismail Kamigate, Grant Golden, Amir Sims kind of problem, but not really setting up the pick and roll. That's not a, a great thing. Uh, and maybe that's just a summer league thing. So not going to fully bash him for it. But I do think that the defense, that is one that I'd be a little bit more concerned about. Uh, just because everybody's shooting over him, and there were a lot of guys in this last game that were hunting him. They were they were going after Colin Gillespie, especially later in that fourth quarter. They're like, okay, we are going to go and attack you. And when you're getting hunted out at Summer League, that's not a great sign. Um, is it the most important detail? No. But like, he is going to be a weak point on the defensive end, and it's on him to improve on that. Now, Jamal Murray was a weak point for much of the season from a defensive standpoint. And then he was great in, in, on the defensive end in the playoffs. So it, you're just going to have to learn and it's going to have to be a process with him. But that's fine. I'm not super worried about it. 
Um, CT asks, what up, CT? Is Gillespie on a solidified deal right now, or is that just the assumption? He is on a solidified deal, although I have seen some conflicting things from Track and their uh, actual like, sheet that they have, their cap sheet. I thought that it was solidified. Them having it a different way, that I think, is a little bit concerning. But now that Denver's solidified all three or all fifteen of their roster spots, like I'd be shocked if they went a different direction than Colin. Like it just doesn't seem like the way that they would do it. Um, but who knows? Maybe they do. Maybe they maybe they decide to go a different direction. But going to be interesting. Um. All right. Julian Strother. Julian Strother, I'm going even on. And the reason why is the hustle stuff. I'm glad we got to see some hustle plays. I'm glad we got to see him dive on the floor, smack his face on the hardwood, and get up and play and act like it was no big deal, uh, despite the fact that he was bleeding from the eyes. Like, that's, that's a good sign, I think, for the competitiveness of a player and the toughness of a player who's not going to let a little thing like blood stop him from doing his job. And uh, that's a good thing for somebody who he wants to prove himself. He wants to prove his toughness. Strother, I think the kind of player that I thought he was going to be is different from the kind of guy that I saw diving on the floor, making these hustle plays, uh, selling out for a block in that second quarter, and then like protecting the rim a little bit. That was good to see. I really liked that from him. Uh, he's not quite the... I kind of see a lot of that guys in that player type, the the shooting guards, the gunners, the players of that nature that are really there for the offense. I see them as the wide receiver type divas in a lot of ways. And he, I don't think he's that. I don't think he is. I think he wants to be tougher than that. I think he wants to be more gritty than that. And that could be boiling it down a little bit too much and like casting my own aspersions onto some player that when it shouldn't really be that way. But I did like how he competed. And what I didn't like was the actual jumper not going in at all. That's definitely not something great. Uh, I also think that he's not doing enough stuff on the offensive end outside of spacing the floor. And that could be a byproduct of Summer League. That could be a byproduct of the actual like situation that he's in, you know, where he's got two point guards that he's playing next to and Peyton Watson wants to showcase some ball handling skills and when Julian Strother's out there, he's going to space the floor from 27 feet and be happy with it. Um, I do like the defense that he's played for the most part. It's not an impactful level of defense, but it's a functional level of defense. And that's a like that's really what you need from a guy on the wing like that. He is not going to be a defensive playmaker. But can he be a team defense guy? Sure. Like, maybe we'll see. We'll see. And that's kind of despite the fact that he made that hustle block. So we're going to find out. We're going to find out really quickly what Julian Strother is like, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings for the rest of this time. Hunter Tyson, got to be stocked up. Talked about him a little bit in the previous segment, but he does more than I thought he would. I thought that he would be more like Strother, where he's a uh, floor spacer, outside shooter, moves a little bit on the perimeter, and he does all of those things, but he also cuts to the rim. He also has a better handle, I think, than Strother does. And that's not what I really expected. That's, I don't think that's what anybody really expected that was just a little bit newer to these guys. Uh, but it was cool. It was cool to see 
Hunter Tyson kind of played that functional role where when he had the ball in his hands, he was making comfortable decisions and he was okay handling a little bit of ball pressure and getting to the rim and making plays for himself and other people. And I like seeing that. Was it the most efficient performance in this last game? No, but like, I still think I, I see him as a player that fits into a bench lineup so well because like all of these opportunities are going to be one four pick and pop in a lot of ways if it's not going to be one five pick and roll. And like Hunter Tyson profiles as a great one four pick and pop kind of guy where he runs some ghost screens or he actually sets a screen and pops out to the top of the key and then catches and then shoots pass or dribbles. That to me is a great place for him. And it reminds me a lot of Royce O'Neal. I wrote about that after this last summer league game. Talked about that a little bit on the podcast, I think. But he makes a lot of sense in that in that mode. Oh, did I say Royce O'Neal? I meant Georges Niang. Why did I say Royce O'Neal? Huh. That's a good question. I was thinking Royce White? I, that's a weird one. Um, but you no, know, it's George's Niang. That's that's definitely a little different. Um, no, that's a like George's Niang makes a lot of sense for him as a comp uh, from a physical standpoint. He's not going to be like this above the rim kind of athlete. There were a couple plays where he went down the middle of the lane and he got fouled on one play where he tried to like like he was hoping to dunk it and then realized okay the elevator does not go all the way to the top on that particular play uh, when he's leaping and trying to to get up to the rim. So. We'll see what he actually looks like from a physical standpoint when he's 25 as opposed to 23. But I think that he can be a player. Like, he can actually do stuff. And that is a really, really positive sign for Denver. Jalen Pickett, Adam's guy. Jalen Pickett. I, uh, I'm i going to say stock even. Like, I, I don't see him as a player that, like, he didn't wow me in these first two games. He did some good things. And he... Deserves a lot of credit for stepping up and fitting into a collective and uh, leading a little bit and making some plays for himself and others. And that's definitely great. But I do think that some of the concerns that I have about him as a player where he's a little bit smaller, he is 6'2", he is not 6'4". And if he is going to be that size of player, playing him next to another point guard is kind of dangerous, despite the fact that Pickett can switch a little bit. He can do a couple of different things. But it's it's the same reason why Miami they didn't play Gabe Vincent and Kyle Lowry together together a lot like uh, when they're going up against the Nuggets because you just have natural disadvantages that you do when you're playing two guys that are that size. Now Denver can create some other advantages with Jalen Pickett if they want to play him next to Jamal Murray, for example. Uh, but I do think that a Jalen Pickett Reggie Jackson kind of backcourt that's going to be a little bit scary. It's going to be a little bit more shaky. For obvious reasons, the defensive standpoint, you need to be so locked in on that end. And even if you are, it may just not matter because if the right guy hunts you out, like it's just going to be a problem. So that I'm a little bit concerned about with him because a lot of teams are just going to post him up or they're going to ISO him or they're going to try to get him to the action uh, and just speed by him. And I think all of those things happened in this last game. However, he also made some impressive shots. He also made some impressive reads. He can rebound a little bit. He can do some things. Like he can make up for his lack of athleticism and size in a lot of different ways. And I do think that that's an important piece of this. However, do I think of him as more than a backup point guard candidate? No. 
And that's fine. Like, he's probably going to be a backup point guard candidate throughout the year. Whether he develops into more than that, we're just going to have to wait and see. But I do see a lot of Kyle Lowry in his game. I think that there's, like, even the way that he shoots the jumper, where you use that physical body to body up into somebody and then step back to your left and create some space. He did some great things with that. So good credit to him. He deserves a lot of that. And last but not least, uh, Ismail Kamigate. Kamigate is one of those guys that is going to absolutely look bad at Summer League if the play around him is not perfectly spaced and it's not a good situation for him. And that, I think, reflects on Kamigate and the situations that he's been in, but also what you see from him. Um, I see him as a player who is going to struggle at the NBA level until he bulks up, until he toughens up. There are certain things that he's going to want to do that he can't do uh, from a, a rebounding standpoint. He's fighting on the glass, but he gave up on the glass a lot. And that's not a great sign to me for a player who, like, you want him to be your guy down the line. You want him to be your backup to Nikola Jokic. Can he handle that physically? Can he handle that, the opportunities that he's going to have? Maybe he can. Maybe he can. I think the vision with him is that you could play him next to Nikola Jokic a little bit too, where you've got a bigger center uh, who can slide over to the power forward because of their athleticism and their agility and maybe play him in like a Robert Williams kind of role. I don't think he's that level of athlete either. So we're learning a little bit about Kamigate and some of the things that he can and can't do. Not a good rebounder. Doesn't really look at the rim unless he's like right under it. And like he just doesn't really do a lot to take advantage of the physical tools that he has. So I'm a little bit down on him. I'm not, not going to lie. Like I don't want to belabor the points, but I don't think that he's ready. And so if you're the Nuggets, you're probably going to send him to EuroLeague and you're probably going to say, yeah, this is what we're going to do as opposed to uh, trying to develop him in the league right now. You want him to be ready when he actually does come over, and I just don't think that he's there. So we'll see what he ultimately ends up becoming, but I would just say that like, yeah, we will see. We will see. Uh, Luke McClure just says, uh, as an Iowa State alum, I am required to let you know that the S in George Niang is silent and is just pronounced like George. Uh, interesting. I did not know that because I've heard them talk about him on the broadcast and I thought they said George's. Um, okay, George Niang. We will, we will get to that. There you go. Perfect. All right. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to uh, go around the league. Uh, not too much more to talk about with Summer League. Just uh, They've only played a couple games. We will see a little bit more, but I uh, wanted to get into, onto that in a couple of different ways. But now we're going to go around the NBA. We're going to talk about the Damian Lillard trade saga and NBA 2K ratings. Why? We'll be right back. says, talk about the NBA 2K ratings, and did you see the Jamal tweet? Uh, no, I did not. Should I go look at it? Should I be, uh, should I be concerned? Uh, whenever you see a player 
tweet uh, you see anything like that, that's a little bit concerning. Um, ain't no way my, ro- my rating that low. How is that possible? Oh, that's funny. Okay, so Jamal tweeted while I was live. He's talking about his 2K ratings. I don't think... Okay, so I actually got the, the inside info on this one. Uh, I think uh, Ronnie 2K, who does the ratings and they, he works with a couple of other folks, uh, for this all-important topic that I'm now here, uh, now we're going to talk about. We're just going to do this right now. Um, they didn't actually release the ratings. Uh, I think that there's going to be some differentiations after Summer League. The game is going to come out in early September, and usually they release the ratings like a month, month and a half beforehand. It's not quite there. So this is the all-important stuff. Uh, apparently the screenshot had Jamal Murray as an 84. Uh, but I do think that that's going to change. Like there's no way, there's no possible way that they could rate him at the same as Kate Cunningham, right? Like there's, there's just no way after watching him in the finals. Like I, I would, I would have Jamal as like 88 to a 90 ish, but that's all, that's all this is. There's nothing big about this. Uh, but I did want to mention this because in the fake, uh, apparently it was fake, released uh, rating, Nikola Jokic is a 97 overall for NBA 2K24, which is the same rating as uh, Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Luka Doncic, and LeBron James, and which I, I find pretty funny for obvious reasons. Like I thought that Jokic really separated himself as the best player in the world, and I hope that that gets, uh, I hope that that gets put down in 2K for that reason. Uh, not that I care. Like it's it's really just about like you want to you want to see your guys get respect. You want to see your guys. You want to see your guys be happy. You want to see them uh, be treated with respect by the larger NBA community. And for a team like Denver, they were. I think the screenshot that they have from for last year, there were Tier 1 teams, Tier 2 teams, and Tier 3 teams. Denver was a Tier 2 team. Like They were not even in the top tier for NBA 2K teams that you could play with because nobody believed in them. So that to me is hilarious that um, Denver still having to deal with things like that. From I mean, I know that 2K is LA-based. like It's always going to be like that. And it's one of the reasons why LeBron James is still at that, like he's still referenced at that level. Do I think that this is actually legit? I don't know and I don't really care. But like, I do think that Jokic should be like a 97 or 98. He should be alone at the top of the league. And Jamal should be in the top 25 at minimum. Like there's any lower than that would be stupid. He didn't play like a top 25 player in the regular season, but he played like a top five player in the playoffs. So you got to split the difference somewhere. I think that making him the 22nd best player in the NBA sounds pretty right. That sounds fair to me. Uh, And we'll see whether Aaron Gordon gets a bump and Michael Porter gets a bump and things like that. Uh, But 2K ratings, we'll we'll cover it when it happens because the offseason, as you guys know, it is very long. So we'll have plenty of time. Let's now go back to the Damian Lillard saga. Um, Joe Cronin spoke to the media today. He's the Portland Trailblazers GM. And he made it clear that they are willing to wait out Damian Lillard and the trade offers that they are currently receiving 
from the Miami Heat uh, with the intention of getting a better package for a player that they believe is a top 10 player, an all-NBA player, whatever they want to call him. Uh, they believe that they are not getting the requisite value. And I, I tend to agree based off of the rumors that have really popped out there. But what I will say is that this kind of reminds me of Melo. It, it reminds me of that. It reminds me of uh, Paul George a little bit. There's some stuff there that I think if you're if you're a Nuggets fan, if you're an NBA fan, you know that this is going to be uh, a pretty frustrating process to have to hear about this all the time. And either it's just going to be solved very quickly and, and abruptly at some point in like late July, early August, something like that. I don't think that Dame is going to want to go to Portland for training camp, and I don't think that he will. Like, he might just not report for training camp. They might not be around. And I don't think that Portland wants that either. They want this thing to be satisfied. And so what they're trying to do by saying this is that they're trying to project that they are willing to wait this out. But I think Miami's just going to be like, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's okay. Yeah, we're, we're still going to offer you the same thing. Uh, you know you know what our offer is. will be the, the same conversation that Miami is going to be throwing out there, which is basically Tyler Hero or Kyle Lowry, one of the two. Um, Jaime Jaquez, Nikola Jovic, three first-round picks, a couple swaps, uh, things like that. And so we're going to find out. We are going to find out what it looks like and, and whether Dame is willing to sit out a regular season game, whether he's willing to do the ugly things to get away from a franchise that he loves, that he wants to be a part of. Um, he wants his cake and to eat it too, though. He wants to go to Miami where he feels like he has a better chance to win a championship. And he also doesn't want that team to trade all of their stuff away. Uh, the problem is that Dame has three more years on his deal plus a $63 million player option. So Joe Cronin can do what he freaking wants. Like That's just sort of the, the annoying part of this is that he... Like Dame signed that contract. He wanted to be there. He signed it and then demanded the trade. So Portland kind of like they have like they don't have leverage here, but they can wait it out. They're not going anywhere special right now. They know that if Dame isn't there, they're gonna lose a lot and they're gonna get to the same place where they were at the end of the year. Like what's Dame gonna do? It's not gonna it's just more about doing right by a player. But Dame's not like Nobody's doing right by Portland. Like They have to look out for their best interests as well. So I feel pretty strongly about that. I think that that's going to be a pretty messy situation. And if I am the Blazers, I try to hold the line, but we will act. We will see. Like It's going to be very interesting. Um, Cedric asks, what do you think would happen, Ryan, if Damian Lillard acts the way that Kyrie did? Uh, posting anti-Semitic things on Amazon like or on uh, on. Spotify, wherever he posted it. I don't even know where he posted the link. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think that that's where you're going at. I, that's not what you actually mean. Uh, but I do think that Dame is above that, at least what we think he is. Like he's, We think he's above that. I also think that he's probably feeling a little bit of pressure right now to get to where he wants to go as soon as possible. So going to be interesting to see whether he can sort of hold his own line there and, and keep up with that. Uh, but I am very curious to see what that actually looks like. So we're, we're going to find out. We're going to find out real quick just how far the moral compass is willing to go. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be interesting. 
5555-ish asks, what if Dane pulls a Harden and puts on the fat suit? That'd be shocking. <laughs> that would be, that'd be pretty impressive. Um, I don't think that Dane would, like, he just, he and Harden couldn't be diff- more different from a personality standpoint, you know? Like, I actually trust Dane when it matters. I don't trust Harden and never have. And I think that's obviously for fair reason. Um, next, though, is nothing is solved with James Harden. Speak of the devil. And all the, the third trade request that he's made in his career in these last, what, three years? Like, pretty pretty impressive timing there. Um, yeah, I think uh, that's going to be really fascinating to see how he handles this, how the Sixers handle this. They're putting on the face of, like, it's fine. We're good. We'll, we'll actually, we, we would love to have James around. He's on the one-year deal. We'd love to keep him around. Uh, they also don't want to lose James Harden for nothing. And that's part of what Daryl Morey, like that, that was his entire thing with Ben Simmons, although Ben was on a, a massive five-year rookie max extension. Uh, Harden, it's a little bit different. Like you want to maximize Joel Embiid's prime. You want to maximize his window with Philly. And the best way to do that is to trade Harden so that you can capitalize on that value, especially if Harden isn't going to be the guy that gets you over the top. Now, the problem is that you're probably going to trade Harden and you're going to get worse because Harden during the regular season did a lot of great things that you need, did a lot of things that are very important. Um, I think that Maxi is probably ready to step up in some ways as a facilitator, as a playmaker. But if you trade Harden, you need somebody else who can do a playmaking. So, like Maybe they don't have to be a guard. Maybe it doesn't have to be Dame or somebody like that. Uh, but I do think that it has to be somebody who can handle the pick and roll and who can set up Joel Embiid and can at least let Tyrese Maxey be a secondary creator as opposed to a primary creator. Uh, so going to find out what they actually prioritize, what they actually want. But with Harden, like, I, I don't know where he's going to be. I don't know what he's going to look like. That's going to be very interesting. Um, ooh, 5555-ish asks, did you talk about your predictions for the NBA midseason tournament. No, and I should have put that on the rundown, given that I'm doing an Around the NBA segment right now. Let's do that now. Um, in-season tournament, Denver's going to be in Group B, I think West B. Uh, they are spreading out the uh, conferences, and they are, they're kind of mixing things up, and they did it by seeding, basically. They're like, okay, here, here's number one, number four, number seven, number 10, number 13, basically. Uh, and for Denver, they at the top of their particular conference, and they play another team that's in the four to six, another team that's in the seven to nine, another team in the ten to twelve, and another team in the thirteen to fifteen range. And you're going to do group play, and the group play is going to turn into elimination play. That eventually turns into a tournament in Las Vegas, and the winners of that get five hundred thousand bucks each. As there's some good things about this, like. I think it creates a little bit more intrigue in November. That's that's a fun aspect of this particular tournament that nobody's really talking about this. That I don't know if any Nuggets fan can really firmly remember what happened in November for Denver other than they kind of messed around defensively. Like I don't really like I cover the team and I struggle to think about the home games that I attended during November because there weren't a lot of them. There were a lot of road games during that stretch. Um, but I do think that for Denver, this is a good thing. Like it's it's nice to have something to really center yourselves around. Denver's probably not going to try. They're probably not going to try to win this thing. But 
Who knows? Maybe there's a team that does take it seriously. And I think the most important thing that the NBA really needs is they need the regular season to matter in some ways. And even if it's not like the rest of the games during the regular season, what about the like the in-season tournament? Why not? Why not? Let's see. Let's see what happens at the beginning of the season. And let's see what happens with your group. And if there are four or five more games that you take seriously, then why not? Why not see? Let's let's see uh let's see what actually comes of it. I'm I'm very curious to see what this actually looks like and how it actually plays out in practice. Uh, there will be games on Tuesdays and Fridays, and that's kind of cool. That's kind of a fun thing where there there are going to be the tournament games. Now, what I don't know is that during that stretch, are there also games on like Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, where nothing is going, or like are where other games are going on? Or is it just going to be like Tuesdays and then Wednesday and Thursday are off across the league? Uh, that's I'm kind of curious to think about. I, I'm not sure what it's going to look like. Are they just going to take breaks for the rest of the time? I don't think it doesn't strike me as the right way to handle it. Uh, my guess is that what they're going to do is they're going to also play on Mondays and Wednesdays and Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, but those games just aren't going to be the ones that count towards this particular tournament. So going to be interesting to see how they design the schedule. I'll be looking at that closely. That's one thing I actually take a strong interest in is how the schedules are actually going to be designed and what the logistics of that are going to be like. And does that set up certain teams for success? Does that set up certain teams for failure in that certain stretch? And because our team's going to care. Are they going to send people to, like, are the Nuggets going to send people to Dallas? Or is that even a team that's on their schedule? I think New Orleans is the team that's in their bracket. Uh, are they going to send somebody to New Orleans, like their players to New Orleans, if it's a back-to-back-to-back that they have to play because they're sandwiching in games there? We're going to find out. We're going to find out what it looks like. And I can't give my firm predictions or expectations for it, but I do like that they're trying stuff. I think it's like the play-in tournament has turned into something good for the NBA. And... I think that that was it was met with a little bit of confusion. It was met with a little bit of uh, disdain for changing the regular season. But I do think that this makes sense. So we're going to find out. Um, would it have been better or more interesting if the groups were not conference locked, but the groups had a mix of both East and West teams? Maybe. The problem that you run into is travel uh, and the potential to have some like some problematic travel schedules where let's say Denver has to go to Miami and then they have to go back to Utah or something like that. Like it's just not a great logistical thing to mix up the conferences like that. So I'm not surprised that they did it this way. Uh, it also, I think makes it a little bit easier to build the schedule. If you just focus on conference play during this time. And then there are other times where you could focus on the non-conference play. Like for example, you, the way that the, MLB does it. Like they have uh, interconference play, like consistently. And that would be kind of a cool thing for the NBA to work in. It's like, hey, for these next three weeks, uh, you're going to only play interconference games. Like between like, the West is going to play the East, the East is going to play the West. There are bragging rights that kind of go into that. They're going to design it like that. Um, could feature Lakers versus Celtics, could feature Nuggets versus Heat. You could feature. 
I don't know, like other rivalries that pop up there. Previous matchups, Celtics versus Warriors, Sixers, and like, I don't know, any team that James Harden is trying to get to for a chain, for a trade request. There's going to be a lot of interesting things there. But I think that there are some ways that they could work in and, and make the schedule more interesting for people. Uh, but we're going to have to find out. Um, Nothing much else going on here. I think I think that's probably going to wrap it up for this episode, actually. there's. I was going to talk about Wembenyama. Uh, good to see him as the, the second. Like The second game was much better than the first, just from a comfortability standpoint, consistency standpoint. He made some amazing plays and deserves a lot of credit. So I want to know. I want to, I want to note it on this podcast that I am not just a hater. Like I, I actually did want to credit him for being a little bit better. But we will see what actually happens. But for now, I think that is going to do it, everybody, for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. I'm uh, going to have a lot of fun. Is that a... Yeah, I think that that's playing in the background. <laughs> Had a little bit of con- concerns there, but uh, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the pod. I appreciate all the love on the show. I'll be back on Wednesday. I'm going to react to Summer League Game 3 and any other news that ends up coming out between now and then. Isaiah Stewart just signed a contract extension, so who knows? Maybe Zeke Naji signs a contract extension with the Nuggets at some point, and we can talk about that when it comes to pass. Should be good. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the support on the podcast, as always. We'll talk to you guys very soon.